All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. We thank you for all your support in this journey of supporting veterans through their stories and finding ways to help them help themselves along the way. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and on our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. That is The Underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with the latest news about the Misfit Nation and get you in touch with our amazing guests. Speaking of which, our next guest was once known as the Flip King of real estate before he discovered the overlooked profits hiding in the self-storage industry. He's gone from flipping over 100 homes per year to making 10 times more in profits from only doing five to 10 storage deals per year. In addition to self-storage investing, he is also an author, host of his own podcast titled The Legacy Blueprint, and the CEO of two other seven and eight figure businesses. So without further ado, let's welcome Joe Evangelisti, entrepreneur, coach, U.S. Navy veteran, and host of the Legacy Blueprint podcast to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Joe. Rich, thanks for, the, thanks for that intro, man. That was great. Appreciate awesome. it. Thank you. So how are you doing? Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Man. You got a lot of stuff going on. You got multiple businesses. You got strategies going on. Tell us a little bit about yourself from as far back as you want to go to where we are now. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, without getting too crazy back, back, I mean, I, I'm a product of uh, the construction industry. My dad was a general contractor growing up. He was like the first uh, the first real entrepreneur I knew in my life and the only one um, that I can really, you know, emulate at the time. And so, you know, I had this like need to want to serve, but I also always knew I was going to be a business owner. So um, I, got, I, got, I got really lucky out of high school. Um, my dad had a, um, a foreman working inside of the GC company who was actually a retired Navy uh, senior chief, but also he's still in the reserves. And, um, you know, he said, you know, you can go be a Navy CB, like you can still do construction, you could do it in the military. And I was like, no way. That's amazing. You got to be kidding me. So like, I got to be able to do what I always love doing and serve my country. A lot of people don't even know what the Navy CBs are, but it's, it's the construction battalions of the Navy. And so essentially, we get to go all over the world and build all kinds of cool stuff. And so I got to do that for six years. I got the, 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 um, the luck of being, you know, stationed in some really, really cool places and working with some amazing people. And um, so, yeah, right, you know, shortly after that, I knew again, entrepreneur, going to go do a business. So, you know, within a couple of years of getting out of the military, I was already uh, well on my way of flipping houses and getting involved in real estate. That's outstanding. And uh, the CBs are a, a different breed. A lot of people confuse them with other parts of the navies. They hear CBs, they think SEALs for some reason, because C is involved in there. Uh, mm -hmm. I ran into a lot of CBs when I was in Ramadi in Iraq, and uh, those dudes would build stuff uh, that you would not imagine can be built in those those beautiful areas in places like Iraq or Afghanistan, and usually do it for fake beer, too. And you didn't have to bribe them too much to get them to do work. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty easy. It's pretty easy to get uh, to get stuff done. You just got to ask and be nice. <laughs> <laughs> just provide what you kind of want and they, they'll do it for you. Did you get to go on any trips overseas with the CBs or were you stateside? Yeah, I, I did multiple deployments uh, overseas. I went to Japan and Guam and uh, my, one of my last trips was actually in uh, U.S. Central Command. Just as we were invading Baghdad, um, I was working for Tommy Franks and uh, basically all the generals who were running the war. And um, I got stationed there to build out the... Uh, the infrastructure of the command center and uh, basically built their offices for them inside of these huge hangar bays. And so that was an amazing trip. 
Um, and that wrapped up, that kind of wrapped up my career at the end of that. And, you know, I actually was getting back. I was planning on becoming a reservist and, uh, I never forget the, uh, the detail at the time was like, well, you can go into the reserves, but you might as well hang on to your camis, your desert camis, because you're going right back. Your entire <laughs> reserve battalion is already over there. Um, so you're going right back into the desert. And I was like, well, for one, I don't want to do that again. And two, um, you know, I, I had that calling again to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, you know, I, I just got to go after my heart. I got I to gotta do what, what I'm driven to do. Outstanding. And that's when you started doing uh, house flipping, I'm guessing, at this point. Yeah, we got into uh, flipping houses. And, uh, you know, again, what I call a lucky period of time was 07. So if you recall anything about the real estate market back then, it was hot. It was booming. And, uh, you know, we took I took everything that I had, you know, kind of saved up from, you know, all my deployments and, you know, my six years in and then, and I went all in and I bought uh, a couple houses and, you know, we did it the old fashioned way. We put 20% down, went to a bank, we got construction financing and about three deals into this whole adventure, the market just like came out from underneath of us. And so, you know, it forced us, I, I say it's a lucky time because, you know, it forced me to learn business the hard way. It forced me to learn to pivot and to course correct and, you know, not everything's going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. You know, we started these first couple houses. I thought I'd be retired, you know, in, in 15 deals <clears throat> and, and, you know, wake up a year and a half later and now I'm a landlord and I'm bartending nights and weekends to pay my, my kids uh, daycare bills. And, and I, I got a broker's license so I could start selling real estate for a commission. And so, you know, I had to kind of pivot and start to expand um, the horizons um, to buffer that time frame. But pretty shortly after that, you know, the the market started to correct and we were able to buy houses cheaper. We were flipping and actually selling properties probably within two years of that start. That's not bad. And as an entrepreneur, being able to pivot is a, is a big plus to having your toolbox. And I know you yep. learned that from uh, your dad growing up. And then of course, in the Navy, you had to learn how to pivot a lot in the Navy, pivot and, pivot and wait in the Navy. And then as you came out, you hit, like you said, that was the rock bottom for real estate in 2008, 2009. Kick started mm -hmm. coming out about 2010 down here in Tennessee. Uh, now it's it's just booming down here. But how did you get yeah. up to a hundred homes a year flipping? That's a lot. Just scale, scale, scale. You know, we just uh, kept taking on more and more. And um, you know, eventually, that's what kind of helped us pivot to self storage. We got to a point about twelve years into that industry where, you know, we were doing eighty, ninety uh, plus a year. And I remember one year we did I think eighty eight houses, and we sat down, me and my partner, and we're like. What do you want to do next year? You want to do like 120? You want to do 100? And he looked at me, I looked at him, he's like, I don't want to do 88 again. <laughs> like, like it was an absolute, you know, nightmare. We had 45 employees, we had hundreds of subcontractors, massive, massive cash flow in and out. Payroll was huge every week. It felt like you were always chasing deals, chasing closings. Um, and it was just, it was just a lot of motion and commotion. And so we took a step back and we kind of, you know, decided like, where, how do we get into something that's more scalable, more controllable? Uh, with an effective and efficient team that can go out and execute. And, uh, you know, we started looking at commercial real estate. And, and honestly, this is way before COVID. We were looking at offices and retail and, um, you know, uh, bigger apartment buildings and things like that. And at that time, all of those places were hyper, hyper competitive. And so I started trying to look like, what are the periphery, you know, commercial outlets? And self-storage came across my plate one day. And I started having phone calls and I ended up running into one guy in particular who is now one of my mentors and really good friends. And he says to me, Joe, I did what you did for the last 15 years. He built planned unit subdivisions. He built restaurants. He built, he built commercial buildings. He was a builder by trade. And he said, um, I just got into self-storage two years ago. He was on his fourth or fifth deal at the time. 
And he said, I'm telling you right now, the first time you build a self-storage, you're never going to build anything else again. You're going to pay people to build your own primary house from now on. Like you'll never touch anything residential again um, because it's, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a much, much bigger scale, much more zeros, but it's concrete, it's steel and it's asphalt. You know, I got a hundred thousand square foot facilities that have two toilets. You know, you're not picking out cabinets and tile and paint colors. It's all, it's all basic. And uh, so we build steel boxes now, which is not as sexy as uh, it used to be, but uh, the numbers are really sexy. And everyone needs storage because no one wants to keep their stuff in their house anymore because that takes away some of that square footage that they, they spent so much money on that they can put little trinkets in instead of a large X or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Christmas decorations always stay in storage. And sometimes when the storage collapses on them, those are the things that get sold at auction. So a lot of, totally. a lot of the auctions are Christmas uh, decorations and lights and whatever trinkets that kids left in there. Are you just doing it in New Jersey or are you nationwide? We're nationwide right now. We have sites um, in Texas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, New Jersey, New York. Uh, and, we're, and we're starting to kind of matriculate west a little bit. Our, our team's already looking at deals in Colorado and in Utah and California, things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're Texas and east, but uh, by the end of this year, I'm sure we're going to be touching almost every, uh, every state, you know, across, you know, east to west. I mean, it is a, it's a lucrative market. I mean, I see them here. They build them like, like wildfire. As an apartment building goes up, a storage unit gets built right next to it. As a yeah. subdivision goes up to go up next to it. Yeah, I'll tell you what's amazing to me is uh, one of my, um, actually my chief development officer, when I first had a conversation with him years ago when I started into this, he said to me, Joe, the cool thing about self-storage is that you take a dart and throw it at a map of the United States and build a self-storage right there and be successful. He goes, now, that's not the goal. The goal <laughs> is to find the best areas, the best locations, the best places for ramp up and for demographics that are gonna serve that self-storage. But at the end of the day, 98% of self-storages that are built are successful. And that's an amazing number. When you think about 65% of small businesses closed in the first three years, self-storage, believe it or not, is just a, it's a continuous expanding need throughout our nation. And, you know, we don't even think about it, but I can promise you right now, if you went out and tried to rent a 10 by 30 unit, you would go to multiple places before you found one that was vacant. You know, oh, yeah. these, these guys are generally 95% plus occupied. And so it's not as easy as you think to find a, find a storage. And, and there's a demand for, for obviously the expansion. Yeah, most of the ones you'll find here are the, the smaller ones. I guess it's like a five by eight or something like that. It's a real, mm -hmm. almost like a closet. Those are the ones that are easily available. Anything bigger than that, you're waiting or you have to drive a, a distance to find one. Totally. Yep. So uh, when you got into this, anyone said, oh, you're crazy to get into self-storage. Uh, you should stay with what you know. You know construction. You know houses. Stay with that. You don't want to go yeah. this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I had very few of those conversations, Rich, to be honest with you, because I think that our vision and our clarity and our mission of what we wanted to accomplish was so just crystal clear that, you know, from day one, I kind of joke with my partner about this from day one, everyone looked at us as storage developers. Like it was like, we would have conversations to raise money to syndicate deals and people would be like, they just assumed we had much, much more experience than we did. But, you know, the background is we had commercial construction experience we've been in the construction field for a long long time this is just a bigger version you know if you're if you're capable of building a custom home you know we were building five six thousand square foot custom homes um, which doesn't compare to a storage but it's it's almost like if you were building three or four of them at the same time it's right. the same oversight it's the same subs it's just more zeros it's just bigger bigger contracts you know and obviously there's more risk inherent in it but the thing that also really remediates that is you know when you're flipping a house or you're doing a custom build or you're doing a spec home 
it's like, you know, one or two or three people making the decision. When we go out and build a $20 million self-storage facility, there's 15, 20 people weighing in. Is this a good site? Is the due diligence right? Is the environmental right? Is the, is the soil good for building? Are we in an area that's going to ramp up properly? You know, uh, you know, bankers and, and attorneys and insurance people, everyone's looking at this deal. And so it's not just me and my partner looking at it and saying, yeah, let's go build here. It's, it's, it's a plethora of team that are looking at that thing and saying, yeah, we have a really, really good chance of being successful. So let's go pull the trigger. Like right now uh, in middle Tennessee here, Nashville alone has a hundred new people a day moving in. That's a wild number. That's right. And you have, cranes, right. you have cranes everywhere, but the people that yep, are yep. leaving Nashville are coming here uh, just uh, west of Nashville to Clarksville and we're growing. Yep. No house stays on the market more than a day. So that's mm -hmm. that need right there for what you're providing with storage. Have you thought about coming to Tennessee? Yeah, we absolutely have. We've, in fact, targeted multiple sites in and around Nashville in the last six months, and they're really hard to find, to be honest with you. But that's a perfect example of, of an expanding city, you know, Nashville, Atlanta, multiple cities in, um, in, in Florida and Texas and Tennessee. Uh, they're really our southeast quadrant uh, of kind of, you know, I'd say warmer weather climate areas that's where everybody from the northeast is pushing to even people from the west coast pushing into um so yeah those are the kind of msas or market areas that we'd start to you know key in on because we love expansion you know it brings more more jobs it brings more income it brings more people and you know generally those people are moving and that's that's the benefit of the storage area it definitely is and uh, a lot of you know, especially here we have the military here as well so a lot mm -hmm. of military don't like to keep their stuff in their house because they don't get a big house on base, especially. You basically get a yep. closet for you and your kids in the house. And that storage is really valuable to them because, like us, we were 22 years in the military. Our whole garage was a storage unit, basically, in our yeah. last house. And we had to yeah. get into the storage in order to sell that house so that yeah. people could see our house. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know yeah. people don't even think about well, it, that, that's part of the need. And, you know, the thing about the, the people don't think about storage is the, the vast demographic of users in storage, right? So you have, that's just one, you have military transitioning, you know, you have people who are in temporary housing who need, you know, somewhere to store their stuff. But then you go on to contractors who use it for excess materials, uh, retail storefronts use it for excess materials, the lawyers, attorneys that are using it for file storage. You got a lot of people now that are working from home, you know, selling different products and, and you know, they need to keep them in a, in, a, in a place that's climate controlled. So they'll rent those five by fives and, and run their business out of that, out of that, you know, five by five unit. Um, so it's such a vast, and then of course, upsizers and downsizers and baby boomers and mom moves into a nursing home and you're moving her stuff into a storage. There's so many varying uh, degrees of user base um, that, it, you know, 2021 was the best year in recorded history for, for self-storage. And a lot of people say, how's that possible? Well, it's because a lot of the other industries, you know, were, were, were really, you know, struggling. Office, retail, um, you know, office is struggling more than and historically ever has because, you know, this adversity of COVID, it forced people to focus on, hey, can we do things differently? And what happens? A bunch of people who never thought about going virtually are now actually virtual, they're more productive, they're more profitable, they're more effective, they're more efficient. And they're like, I don't need 3000 square foot of office anymore. I could operate out of a 500 square foot cubicle to have a mailing address and you know, we could store the rest of it or you know, you guys can work from home. It's changing the, the, uh, the dichotomy of really commercial real estate in, in general. Definitely is. Uh, another group would be food trucks because that exploded over the last another one. two years because yep. restaurants couldn't eat in them. So many of them went to yep. the meals on wheels kind of deal. So they have to have yep. a place to store their cups, their plates, their storage materials. Absolutely. And that's a perfect yep. area for it right there. They just pull in, load up, go. 
And I'm sure yeah. you're getting a lot of that all over in every one of your sites. And I'd say the biggest demographic of growing users is the uh, is the excess toy user, right? Because what happens now, people aren't going on these elaborate vacations. They're buying RVs, they're buying quads, they're buying boats, they're buying jet skis. And if it's seasonal, they need somewhere to put it, right? So there's a massive influx. We were talking a couple weeks ago with a, a panel of uh, developers from around the country, and they determined through a, a bunch of different studies that they, they think there's going to be a 65 to 75% increase in need in toys in the toy market right the adult you know adult so toys. like that's that's crazy yeah well i don't i hate to call them adult toys but you guys get it motorized vehicles and stuff like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> not <laughs> those careful. adult toys but these are <laughs> not those adult toys. <laughs> definitely i see that that's right down the block here there's one that has the storage and then they have basically made a parking lot in front of it with the yep. fence around it and they have the rvs they have the boats they have all the hunting devices that they can have for their trailers and stuff to load everything in there and it sits there and they go out when they have to and that's a perfect yeah. way to add to an already thriving business. Yeah, yeah. Texas is a huge market for that. We're building five different facilities in and around major, you know, San Antonio, Houston, DFW. Uh, and that's because you got down there, you got land with big houses. But what do they do? They build a one or two car garage. Right. Uh, these guys, these guys have a heck of a lot more toys than that two car garage. Right. So they're literally you know, holding storage just so they can have their toys in storage. Definitely. And the, a lot of the garages they built now aren't even big enough for the cars that are on the road now never mind what you have in your that's house right. or the right. things like an rv or a quad or something like that that's right yeah. so as you, you you were having all this success and then you wanted to you decided to become an author too what was your thought process in becoming an author yeah so i've been writing books now for i think i wrote my first book about seven years ago on flipping houses because you know they used to call me the flip king we had flipping going on we had flipping masterminds we had you know flipping coaching and all that kind of stuff um, so I've been writing books for a long time, and I'll be honest with you, Rich, it's 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 more for me than it is for the you know the it's therapeutic, right? Right. You like get it out of your you know get it out of your system. But the reality of it is, um, people have a lot of success from reading you know the stuff that we write. So it's always about it's a combination of self serving, and I I really write my books to help coach my executive team. So it's usually the stuff I'm working on with them to help them get better. And I put it in book format so that when we hire new people, it's like, you know, here's the latest book, go check this out. So um, a lot of it is cultural. A lot of it is business related. A lot of it is self-improvement so we can become better leaders. That's outstanding. And it's an easy way to onboard someone to your team too. here. Yeah. We read books A through C and uh, come back to us and we'll see how you are. Yeah. And we'll do a D through F at that point. The smart ones will come to an interview and say, I read your book. Okay, cool. And now we're getting started somewhere. <laughs> Which page is <clears throat> most? All right. Yeah, that's right. That's outstanding. Were you ever approached to do any of these TV shows for flipping? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's a, I don't want to, how do I say this without really throwing people under the bus? I think it's a pretty well-known fact now. HGTV changed the entire industry back in 10, 2010, 2011, 2012, and made it like sexy to flip houses and you know, next thing you know, like the, the teller at Walmart is flipping houses and, you know, telling you about it. like, you know, that was all well and good. The, the frustrating part about it, and for a lot of the reasons why I wrote a couple of my first books were on flipping, um, is because there were so many people not treating it like a business. And so what you didn't see was all the people getting hurt and getting burnt and losing their life savings and doing it the wrong way. And uh, that HGT, let's not, let's not just call that one network, right? Because there was multiple networks doing this, but half of that stuff was made up, man. Half that stuff was, you know, was scripted, was contracted, was, you know, a lot of those folks, you know, not saying all of them 
absolutely and certainly there's some some you know scrupulous flippers out there but a lot of that stuff was made up and unfortunately hurt a lot of people i think and you can tell that for most of them most of them shows on there are scripted you can tell and just the way that people look yeah. though they're not in really in the business they're in it yeah. for the hollywood side of the business not the actual people person business and anybody in business could pick it up immediately. They'd be like, well, we bought this house for 150 and we sold it for 200. We made 50 grand. Well, where's your holding costs? Where's your interest? Where's your insurance? Where's your broker's fees? Where's your transfer tax? Where's your title work? Like, like I'll take that 50 and I'll knock it down to negative 10 by the time we're done. And you're not even talking about that on the show. Right. But then people be like, oh, I could make 50 grand flipping a house. No, these people just lost $10,000 and they're, they're, they're claiming they made 50. And so a lot of that stuff is really, you know, I think that's worth you know, fake news all originated from is like, we, we can, we can put whatever we want in front of these people and they're going to, they're going to eat it up. And that's unfortunate. And then, like you said, someone watching this is, Oh, I can do that. And then they jump into it and they lose their, they lose everything. They lose their bag, lose their shirt. You know, I always, I always said to people, we all have that uncle or aunt or someone who flipped the house and they'll tell you about it. And they made amazing money. And they're like, I, you know, this was the best investment of my life, but the people who lost their shirt, they don't talk about it. You don't go to a cocktail party and be like, I flipped a house once and I lost $50,000 and it took me years to replenish my retirement account. Like nobody brags or talks about that. You know, that's a, that's like a secret, you know? So that's unfortunate is I think a lot of people got hurt in that movement. And, uh, you know, you never hear about those people. Right. They're left by the wayside as the other ones are gloating that they did well, even though they probably, like you said, they probably weren't doing well just, but on TV, they did well. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. With your stores yep. uh, stuff, do you uh, franchise or do you just flat out own all of that? No, we own it all outright. Uh, of course, with investors, we do what we call syndicated deals. So we basically sell off uh, parts of the equity for for um, the you know the, the the monies to run the deal, and then um, you know we go get debt traditionally from banks, get you know, get construction loans, and then build the property, and then when we refinance. Um, we give you know the goal is always to give everybody all their money back, and then you know we have a cash flowing asset and. Uh, our syndicated partners, uh, they even though they're silent partners, they're, they're what we call limited partners or LPs, um, they run with equity in perpetuity. So even after we give all their cash back after a deal is done, um, the goal is that they stay in as equity partners as long as they want. They don't have any money on the table at that point. So we just call it like the cherry on top, right? They're playing with house money at that point. Um, but they get they get checks in the mail every quarter and, and, and you know, they, they live on in perpetuity. And then one day, inevitably um, we're going to sell that asset and they're going to get their piece of that equity in that asset, you know, years later after they've already made their investment, got their money back. And they'll be happy another day. That's good. That's right. So if you can give advice to someone that wants to get into the storage side of the, this business, what would you tell them? I would tell them, go out there and take some action, right? Get around, get surrounded with the right people. Um, we offer a free group. It's called Our Road to 10 Million in Self-Storage. It's on Facebook. You can join it and, and get tons of assets in there and tons of, uh, you know, free trainings and so on and so forth. And then the step up from that is we created what's called the Storage Syndicate. Um, and the syndicate is, is, a, is, a, is a real life traditional syndicate partnership, right? So people pay um, to be a member, but what they, what the people that are in that group are either newbies who don't understand real estate and we teach them how to go find deals where they can earn equity and earn cash. Uh, we had three guys in the last seven months add uh, 250 grand to their net worth, cash and equity, just going out and finding deals, um, which is amazing. And then that's in one deal, um, you know, cause th these things are so scalable, right? That it's, you know, there's, there's availability of, of, you know, um, resources there to help people, um, you know, go out and find deals and be able to 
make it worth their while. Um, so if you have no, no experience at all, you can learn how to go find deals for experienced developers, work your way into the deal somehow long-term. Some people start like that and they, they want to, they're, they, they aspire to be developers themselves, or um, they aspire to, to help, you know, the deal along the way to earn more equity. Um, the second level would be existing developers that are already building self-storage and they want to network with great lenders and great builders and architects and designers. And of course, you know, these deal finders that we're talking about. The third level would be experienced real estate flippers like myself who want to scale, who want to find something different that's going to be more scalable and easier to manage and, and, and much, much more profitable. So we have a lot of folks that are in the wholesale and the fix and flip business that are really trying to transition into self-storage development. And then last but not least, we have accredited investors. So, you know, people who have a lot of net worth, have a lot of wealth, they're looking for ways to invest and make great money. They, they tap into this network of developers and builders and they can see the deals come to life you know, behind the scenes gives you a much better comfort factor when you're going and investing, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in a deal. Definitely. And uh, like you, when you transitioned, it was pretty much a, a pretty good deal for you since you already had a background in construction. You went to CVs, got more construction, get mm -hmm. entrepreneurial yep. goals. A lot of veterans, when they're coming out, they don't have that kind of mindset, that goal to transition properly. Yep. So if they come to your yep. uh, Facebook group or your website, would they be able to just contact you and say, hey, brother, how can I do yep. this? How can I get better? Hundred percent. I'm always here to help. I want to see people transition and 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 do really really well. Actually, one of my best friends just retired as a master chief in the Navy, and he's already in this process. Not only did he just ramp up his own general contracting business, but he's looking at sites to to kind of transition into self storage as well. I think as long as you have that can do mindset and that problem solving ability, that spirit, which all of us are taught in the military, if you if you took advantage of what you had there, right, um, then then you can make this happen one way, shape, or form. Outstanding. And I'm sure uh, some of our listeners will hit your Facebook group. I'll put in the show notes and, and you're, you have two websites, I believe, right? Uh, the storage syndicate and something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they can go to the storage syndicate.com. If they were looking, interested in the mastermind, they can go to uh, the Facebook group as well. And then uh, legacybuilder.coach is, is our, you know, main coaching platform. Awesome. I'll put them both in the, in the show notes and that way they can find you easily. All your links will be in there as well. Uh, any parting words you want to tell people before you come on, we get off here? No, just go take action, right? I, you know, my favorite, my favorite thing is, uh, you know, just getting my, my, uh, one of my mentors used to say the art is in the start, right? Right. I think there's so many people sit on the sidelines, unfortunately. And I see this with transitioning military folks as well. It's like you get out and you, you're not tied to a thing or a group or, a, a, you know, a battalion or what have you. So you kind of feel lost, right? Don't, don't be afraid to go take some action in the right direction. Invest in yourself, go to an event, go to a mastermind meetup, go to something that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but gets you closer to the end result that you're looking to seek. Action is going to carry you a lot further than, than, you know, analysis paralysis or thinking about it. You're never going to get anywhere thinking about it. Like Wayne Gretzky said, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So that's, that's correct. We got to, uh, Joe, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for your service. And, uh, I appreciate everything you're doing in the world of real estate, self-storage, and your authoring. I'd love to have you on again in the future to see where you are. Yeah, I'm sure we can make that happen. Thanks for having me, Rich. Thanks, brother. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, 
is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.